This is the CFF Sites Week Zero Show. My name's Joe DeSalvo, and we are going to go through the fantasy slate this week for you guys. It's a short and condensed uh, slate this week. But first, let's kind of run down what's going on at the site. Mike and I still busy at work between his DFS content, between updating the preseason fantasy draft guide, the preseason player projections, and now getting into weekly player projections. There's a lot going on at the CFF site. We just created a lot of best ball leagues this year. We did some redraft leagues as well. The four-in-one Super Fantasy League opening still on that. We'll be promoting that hard this week. Uh, we've got about 70 owners in there right now. The goal is to get over 100 for a fifth consecutive year. And if you're watching this and not a member yet of the CFF site, get on in. Uh, the projections are up for week zero. We're going to have week one projections up as early for you. Uh, as next Tuesday. So there's a lot going on. If you do come in, there's a lot of drafts still to be had. And uh, the preseason material is updated through at least this point right now. So you'll be set for any weekend drafts that are going on. A lot of you guys that don't incorporate week zero into your leagues, but it's going to be a little bit of a different format. Mike and I, I'm going to welcome Mike in and we're just going to talk through the schedule. We're going to talk fantasy spin we're going to talk uh, DFS impact and player props as well. May not be the usual format every week because this may be a little long for a shortened, condensed schedule. Uh, you may see us break out and do a couple of shows, something that we've talked about. I will do my weekly show with all the games every week, try to get that up for you guys on a Thursday. And then Mike and I are trying to do something in regards to player props and DFS later on in the week, if not sometime late Friday or Saturday before the game to try to give you guys an edge. But with that being said, Mike, I'm going to welcome you in here. Um, kind of a short slate here. We're going to go through it. We talked about what we're going to do here. Um, you know, nothing really left to do unless I missed anything to kind of jump into it, right? Yeah, week zero is here. I'm excited to uh, finally get some games started. I was, I was telling you earlier this week, though, I have a little bit of the uh, – Sunday scaries today, just because, as you know, how much work goes into uh, goes into the season. So, um, you know, we're going to be covering everything DFS, uh, prize picks, uh, props, uh, as well and as well as the games. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's here. Well, you, make, you make a good point. I, I'd say you know, week zero for me is a little bit of a relief, but yet still a little bit of nerves, right? Because of everything we've done all through the summer, still not at the level of when we kind of go live with the preseason content thinking, you know, is everything up to date? Is everything good? You know, it seemed like we did that 15 times before we really uploaded everything because there were so many changes back in the spring. So, but I get it, man. Week zero's here. Let's get into it, man. Let's just kind of get into the games. We'll go game by game. As I mentioned, we'll talk about our fantasy spin. We'll talk about DFS impact and player props, uh, you know, whether they're on DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, prize picks. We'll we'll get into that. So let's let's just start with Austin P at Western Kentucky, Mike. Obviously, Austin Reed, the quarterback there. Um, you know, for me, let's just kind of throw this out there. Uh, only one FBS school, right? And for me, I just want to see if what we projected at the wide receiver spot kind of sticks. Uh, and holds through this first game of the year. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, we don't have a depth chart, right? So, um, you know, we know, we know who's starting at quarterback, obviously, with Austin Reed, but uh, very curious to see how the, the wide receivers shake out. Um, 
you know, we expect Kai Corley, David Davis to be one, two, um, you know, the Jared Stearns, um, that combo from last year. But um, again, this was my concern when we did the, the conference USA pod, you know, a few months ago, we have heard next to nothing about Makai Corley. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just, I want to see how this wide receiver room shakes out. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the, some of the, like I wrote in the DFS article, I do kind of like Michael Matheson as a possible pivot play this week. Um, you know, just, just for that, uh, cheaper option, um, you know, Corley as the wide receiver three last year, got hundred plus targets. So I think Matheson, um, will step into kind of that wide receiver three role, but if, if Corley, you know, I had him on rosters last year and he really scored, gave you 10 to 12 points per game and, and not much else. So do we, is he full, is he going to be Jarrett Stearns? Um, or maybe somebody like Matheson steps up. So like you said, how that wide receiver room shakes out is kind of what we're focused on this week. Yeah, I, I think so too. And when you're just talking about building a lineup, uh, do, what's Matheson's price? Because I overlooked that. Do you have that by any chance? Yeah, he's he's fifty six hundred. Yeah, and what what is so? So if there's a little uncertainty, what about maybe taking a stab with a guy like Dalvin Smith, who got some run in the spring, who's only 3,500? I mean, that's just a name that I wrote down just because this is one of those matchups or one of those games where, like you said, we don't have a depth chart right now. And so do you really want to take a chance on throwing darts or do you want to go with some more proven things on the depth charts that at least we've gotten through this week? For me, that's really where... I'm going to be kind of struggling on where I want to go with some of these roster builds. Yeah, I would lean towards Matheson over Dalvin Smith. I know Matheson's, you know, 2100 uh, more in terms of pricing. But um, like I mentioned earlier, Corley was that third guy. I think typically the two slot guys are the, the uh, either like the first and third, um, you know, kind of target hogs in that, in that offense. So I would lean the second slot guy over somebody like Dalvin Smith despite the prices. Um, but then, you know, I kind of noted it and we've talked about this earlier and earlier when discussing Western Kentucky is Joshua Simon's that wild card player for me. Um, you know, he's lit I, earlier this week, he was listed with that red flag on, on DraftKings. Um, but you know, I've seen videos. He should be good to go. I believe this week. And if you remember last year against, uh, you know, a, a lesser opponent, we thought, three, three passes, two touchdowns in that opener. So um, while I kind of poo-pooed Simon just because of, you know, the tight end utilization in this, in this scheme, um, I think he's that wild card player that might go under owned and, and, and could break out. Well, let's just address the elephant in the room with Austin Reed. I don't want to move on without addressing him because uh, he's probably going to be one of the popular pick, uh, picks at quarterback this week. Don't you think? Maybe, um, I, you know, I've seen varying opinions on that. Um, I'm probably going to be, I don't even know if I want to say overweight on it, but I'm going to have a lot of read shares in my lineups just because of that upside factor. You know, do we think he's going to be Bailey Zappi? You know, the likeliest odds of that happening are no, but this is still one of, you know, an offense that averaged 50 passing attempts per game last year. Uh, and I think the upside is substantially higher if he hits this week than, than the other quarterbacks um, 
uh, in you know available to us. I think he is like the only quarterback that has slate breaking potential. So I, I I will take chances with that in my lineups. Good stuff. Let's go. Uh, let, let's jump the pond, Mike, and go over to Ireland, where Nebraska and Northwestern are going to meet in a Big Ten opener uh, over there overseas in Ireland. Right. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, here, uh, anything particularly stand out? Uh, DFS uh, player props. Yeah, I mean, it sucks for me because I. Yeah, as you know, I, I got heavy late last year into the player props. And of course, two of the games that are available on DraftKings or FanDuel are in the state or have teams within the state of Illinois. And so per their regulations, I cannot bet them. And of course, they had already a hammer opportunity in Ramir Johnson um, being listed at, I think he started at 67 and a half rushing yards, which Again, he's not going to be utilized as a, a full-time running back this year. That's going to be Anthony Grant as a starter, and they're, they're going to mix in some yep. uh, some rotation guys in that backfield, Gabe Irvin, maybe uh, Jacques Gant. So I wanted a piece of that prop, and hopefully, you know, we posted it in the Discord. Some Hopefully some of our subscribers got on it. But, um, you know, other than that, I think – just kind of, again, it's, it's, it's similar to Western Kentucky, just seeing this offense, right. You know, cause we've got a, a new offensive coordinator and Mark Whipple, um, you know, how's Trey Palmer going to assimilate yes. uh, to this offensive scheme? Um, you know, how's Casey Thompson going to look in the scheme where, where he's expected to pass more than he probably did at Texas last year. And where he's definitely going to pass more than, than what Adrian Martinez did um, last year. So uh, what, you know, what are your thoughts? Cause you're the, so, you're the so, resident so, the so I, yeah, I, I, you know, here's where I thought, first of all, the Ramir Johnson definitely under on the Russian. That was one of the ones that stuck out to me when, when the props were released, uh, as far as DFS goes, I'm probably a pass right now. Uh, when it comes to fantasy, I like Casey Thompson this year, but for me, if I've got a little bit of roster depth, single quarterback league, I'm probably going to pass on this. I'd probably like to take a look at him. I don't think, even though I'm not, um, you know, Northwestern could be a tough play, uh, to, you know, first live look at that offense. And Trey Palmer, I, I'm on board with him. I think that's a player that I would just go ahead and start this week and just kind of take a, a, a wait and see look with with most of the Nebraska offense. And quite honestly, if I had to go with a, somebody on the Northwestern side, too, you know, the offense, you know, the history over there, Evan Hall probably is the play, but you and I both, I, at least I do, still have some reservations about that backfield right now with Cam Porter coming back. I mean, you know, do we see something where Hall's the guy between the 20s and Porter comes into the red zone? So for me, too many questions in this game to take too many chances on from a fantasy DFS, um, you know, point of view. Agreed. I'm not, I'm not going to have much DFS exposure. Uh, props were very juicy, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. You know, putting Ryan Holinsky out there, at, I got him at 195 and a half passing yards, which, um, you know, I'll, I'll do some, uh, uh, we kind of hinted at it in our Discord. I'll be doing some uh, live stream with, with props um, when they get released on Price Picks, I believe Tuesday. And, and I'll kind of go over my process. And and the Ryan Holinsky uh, prop at 195 and a half is, is those types of props that I look for first, right? First yeah. is to look for those mistakes. And it's not, you know, it's 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 
195 and a half is, is an okay number uh, for a Northwestern quarterback. Of course, I bet the under, but, but we don't have a depth chart yet. So we don't know for sure if Ryan Halinski is going to be the full-time QB1. Um, the, the, the name's escaping me of the backup, but I know it is a quarterback competition right now. And that's, that's a kind of situation where you kind of, you see Ryan Holinsky on the board and you, you hammer the under, under because you yeah. potentially could see two quarterbacks there. Um, so that one was, and he's dropped from 195 and a half to 157 and a half within, you know, 12 hours. So, um, that was a good one. And then bright, or I'm sorry, Evan Hull was, uh, came out at. 45 and a half rushing yards to start. And essentially that's all Northwestern does is run the football. And if you look at our projections, uh, CFF site projections, we had Hull at 77 rushing yards, huge discrepancy there between uh, 77 and 45 and a half. So um, that was a, another uh, smash play at the, at the over there. Yep. Well, then let's get into the next matchup. We'll go more of the, uh, you know, we'll down downgrade here in competition. Nevada at New Mexico State. Um, you know, uh, most of that Nevada team's gone now at Colorado State. At least, the, the you know, a lot of the good pieces, head coach, quarterbacks, receivers, playing at New Mexico State, who we have. Uh, Kill is at New Mexico State leading the, leading the charge again, right? So a difference probably in offensive philosophy this year as well for the Aggies. So from a, from a fantasy's perspective on this game, I know just speaking for myself, this is a game where, uh, where Tawa, the running back for Nevada really stands out for me, Mike. And, and really other than that, uh, probably more so of a pass for me right now, just even all around. Right. But from a fantasy perspective, uh, Tawa, uh, Tawa, the running back over at Nevada for me is to play. What about yourself? You don't have any New Mexico State plays in, in CFF? <laughs> well, I mean, do you, do, you know, is Jamani Jones going to be worth anything at running? Like, I mean, look, there are some options there. We feel like we have a beat on the depth chart. We feel like we may know what to expect from the offense, but how's the production going to be? And that's where I'm a little hesitant right now. Yeah, I think there's, I just wrote this up. Our DFS article for uh, Saturday night will be out on the site uh, in a few hours. But uh, Jamani Jones is an interesting one because they listed him at the top of the depth chart. And I'm speaking from a, a DFS standpoint. They listed him at the top of the depth chart. I know it's an or situation. He was on that top line. But he's been priced on DraftKings at, at 3K. So, um, you know, this is an offense under Jerry Kill. Um, that was run heavy in his previous stops in Minnesota and, and NIU. And then the offensive coordinator, Timothy Beck, ran it 60% of the time at, at Pittsburgh State. So, um, you know, there's a lot of turnover at Nebraska, uh, uh, Nevada, excuse me. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe we see this running game get going a little bit for New Mexico State. I think they bring back uh, four offensive linemen who logged at least 300 snaps last year. So they got some experience along the offensive line. Um, you know, you got Jones at 3K, Amani Watkins, the TCU transfer at 4,100. So um, those are a couple interesting pieces for me uh, on the New Mexico State side. Uh, just quickly hitting on Nevada for me. Um, I could just want to see what this offensive system looks like because we got yep. that first time, first time play caller. Uh, Derek Sage is the new offensive coordinator. So 
Um, you know, first time play caller, we really don't have a lot to, to kind of go on with what that offense is going to look like. Um, two interesting additional pieces for me, uh, along with Tawa is, uh, Cooper Schultz, a tight end, uh, sounds like they're going to use him a little bit like Greg Dulcich at UCLA. Uh, the offensive coordinator came over from, from UCLA and was their tight ends coach. So I'd assume he'd like to get the, that position yeah. uh, involved. Uh, and then Jamal Bell, I know he's kind of pricey on draft pings at 6,200, but uh, last year in the bowl game, he had uh, seven receptions, touchdown on nine targets. Uh, so I think he's going to be the clear alpha in this, in this passing game. So just a couple of names on the Nevada side that I'm looking at. Yeah, I think though, I think from a player prop standpoint, the ones that really stood out to me, Mike, just with a lot of the uncertainties is that we do know what we do have in Toa Tower, right? So I do like, I know the 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 prop on him was 70 and a half rushing yards, and there was even a uh, you know 0.5 touchdowns. I do like him to score, and I like him to go over that 70 and a half mark. That was two of the player props that really kind of stuck out to me uh, with this matchup against New Mexico State, because like you mentioned, you know, if this was Nevada's offense from from last, if this was last year, we'd be talking about Nevada scoring probably fifty points on New Mexico State, right? We're not yes. talking like that now, but you still have to expect that they're probably going to be able to run the ball and move the ball against what is probably going to be one of the, you know, bottom defenses in the FBS this year. Yeah, eight and a half point favorites. Uh, last time I checked, so. You know, if they get ahead by a touchdown or two, even um, could yeah. probably see them run the ball with Tawa. I would, I would just one caution. I do like the over. We had projected 86 rushing yards for Tawa this week, so I do like the over on his prop as well. Um, all five starters need to be replaced along the offensive line for Nevada, so just one piece of hesitancy there. But um, you know, our projections have them 16. Yeah, but it's not like they're playing San Diego State. Is my point though, right? No, yeah, absolutely. I I mean, they're favored yeah. by a touchdown or more. So, you know, I think they should be able to run the ball. Sounds good. Well, look, another another Mountain West matchup seems a little juicy. Too good to be true. UNLV at home playing Idaho State. Um, you know, had this been a year ago, we'd be, you know, drooling from a college uh, college fantasy standpoint for on Charles Williams, the running back. A little bit of a question mark going into the 2022 season. Now we have Aiden Robbins pegged as RB1 for UNLV, but, you know, how much stock are we really putting in him right now? Uh, You know, that's the good thing about week zero, Mike, is that some leagues don't start to week one. So for some of you guys that were able to kind of take stabs on some of these players that play in week zero and have a chance to really sit back and watch. And if it's not what you thought, you can also, you always get rid of them and hit the waiver wire before the season starts. But I'm kind of interested to see how that UNLV offense looks at running back. Obviously we've got some, you know, Kyle Williams, Ricky White, some receiving options there at UNLV. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's, there's interest all around in my opinion. Um, You know, Robbins from, from a DFS standpoint and a a college fantasy standpoint, you know, we talked about it uh, in the guide, how um, in my, in our uh, mountain West, uh, you know, stats to know column that uh, head coach Marcus Arroyo really, when he's got a running back, like a certified starting running back, he'll typically feed him dating back to his Oregon days, 46.4% 
volume share, which is top 10 nationally over the last four years, he'll give to his running back one. So um, if Robbins is the guy, I mean, he's going to have massive ownership no this, doubt. This, this week in DFS being at 3,300. But even from a CFF standpoint, I mean, we see what Charles Williams did last year. I think they should be better throwing the ball so they don't have to lean on the running game as much as they did a year ago. But, you know, when Arroyo's got a guy, he rides him. And, and so this performance, I think, from Robbins this week will have an impact on the rest of the uh, college fantasy season. Well, let's go over to Wyoming. We're good. I mean, DFS, uh, player props, anything else that we want to touch on? Because like you mentioned, Robbins is is pretty cheap in this matchup. So we yeah, there might I, be some high ownership there. I, I'd like to see what happens. I mean, I want to see what happens with the passing game. It was dreadful last year. Um, yeah. But they got they really do have some pieces at the wide receiver position this year. Yeah, Ricky um, White know. was the one that I kind of took note on. I, I saw I think he might be on DraftKings at fifty one hundred. He was one that I you know this is one of those matchups where you feel like UNLV is going to be able to do something, and uh, you know that was one of the ones that stuck out to me just from a pricing standpoint on potential. Yeah, I mean, don't you think that you know facing Idaho State? I don't know what the spread is. I don't have it up right now, but this is a good chance to like work on some things right against a FCS opponent. And I would think they'd want to work on their passing game, figure out who's the guy between Brumfield and Harrison Bailey. And, you know, from all accounts, they got, they got some weapons this year yep. at wide receiver. You mentioned white Kyle Williams comes back this year and this Juco Jeffrey Weimer you know, has been making waves all since, since spring um, bigger targets caught 17 touchdowns last year at, at, at junior college level. So, um, you know, he's been getting plenty of praise from the coaching staff. So they got weapons. They need to figure out the quarterback. So, um, again, another interesting storyline to watch is Doug Brumfield versus versus Harrison Bailey in this matchup. One of the one of the uh, another one of those, you know, matchups that's going to have some interest, uh, at least from fantasy perspective, Wyoming going to Illinois, right, uh, where the running backs figure to be very popular plays. Titus Fenn over at Wyoming. Um, you know, you've got what, um, with Chase Brown over at Illinois, right? So th- there, there is uh, a lot of probably going to be a lot of guys starting those two running backs this week. Um, and from a fantasy perspective, other than that, maybe, maybe there'll be some guys taking a chance on, on Isaiah Williams. You know, we've got Lunny coming in. He was the OC at, um, UTSA last year, Mike. So there could be a tendency to throw the ball a bit more than than what Illinois did last year. Um, but for me, those are the three names that probably jump out at me. Anything else really sticking out to you in this matchup? Not really. Um, you know, the the running backs are the centerpiece. Chase Brown, Titus Swen. Um, even I'd even consider Josh McCray in that in that yeah. conversation too, especially if Illinois blows them out, because um I think Josh McCray is gonna be a top 10, top 15 running back in college fantasy in 2023 um, once Chase Brown graduates. But um, so I I like playing, I I would even be okay playing both Chase Brown and Josh McCray in the lineup. I I think they'll both have successful weeks. Um, Swen's interesting just because all the turnover at Wyoming has people cautious on, on, you know, how, how the offense is going to look against Illinois yep. this week. But 
I mean, who the hell else do they have to give the ball? The running back two is out this week, as Craig Bowles said. Twenty, I feel like twenty carries is an absolute lock for him this week. Um, assuming Illinois doesn't run the ball, you know, or have possession of the football for for you know three fourths of the game. But um, you know, I took the over. I bought the dip on uh, Titus Swen. Started, I think, at seventy-two and a half. Uh, and his rushing prop dropped all the way down to 59. Um, and that's just too low. I mean, we have them projected at close to a hundred rushing yards this week. And I think that alludes to the fact that, you know, he's going to get 20 plus carries almost guaranteed yeah. this week. Yeah. That was one that stuck out to me. Titus Ben at 67 and a half. I, I mean, we know the, the history of, of that offense, whether or not it looks whether or not it's a, a copy of itself in the last couple of years remains to be seen, but you know that that offense is still going to be heavily invested in the running game. So Titus Finn sticking really stuck sticks out to me at 67 and a half. I mean, that could be a game that really does stay close and you could be looking at 20 plus carries for at that particular point, he only needs to average 3.3 yards per carry to go over that number. And I think Isaiah Williams, Mike, at, I think his yardage on prize picks was 45 and a half. I like the over on him, too. That was another one of the player props that I really liked from this matchup. Uh, like we mentioned, Barry Lunny uh, coming over from UTSA. There may be a ten, um, uh Did I get that right? Oh, my, my bulldog is snoring in the background. I, you know, I heard I him, and I was like, you know what's going to happen? People are going to think that I'm breathing really heavy on here. And I was like, Mike, somebody's breathing on his thing. And I knew it wasn't you. I didn't know where it was coming from. I'm trying to kick him right now. <laughs> I'm just going to wake him up. No, man. <laughs> We're good. Uh, but that's the one that really, uh, for me, I think we could see Illinois throw the ball a little bit more. And I do like the over on Isaiah Williams at 45 and a half. To me, that one looks really good, too. Yeah, that's the other one I was going to hit on. I like his overs actually on pretty much all three fronts with with yards, uh, receptions, and then fantasy points too. Yeah, because don't yeah. forget, as a, a former quarterback, he's utilized in the wild uh, wild cat plenty. Um, so I think he'll get a couple carries potentially. Um, may even throw a pass in the red zone. But then, you know, just reading practice reports. I mean, I know that Illinois doesn't throw the ball a lot, but he is the guy for yeah. Illinois, right? They have a couple other pieces, Casey Washington, Brian Hightower, but he is the guy in that passing game. So 10 targets, I think, is is a very reasonable outcome for, for Williams, and so we'll see what he does with that. Um, but yeah, I like him. I kind of like him as a DFS play because at 7,300, I feel like people are going to be like, ah, he's kind of expensive, um, you know, Illinois doesn't throw the ball that much. Um, but again, I, I think he's the alpha in that room. So I, I do think he might be a, a nice under-owned uh, a play in like a, a large GPP. Gotcha. Let's go to Connecticut, Utah State, Mike, where, um, you know, we've been kind of, you know, you've got quarterback Logan Bonner coming back from an injury. There seem to be some whispers about whether or not he might play in this game. Um, we know, you know, look, Utah State, ton of turnover at receiver. You got Brian Cobbs, you got Justin McGriff back. Kyle Van Leeuwen was projected, you know, he's on the depth chart at that wide receiver three spot. You still have a little playmaker in Nine-Eye Davis that could get run as a, as a wide receiver four. This has potential to be one of those games where Utah State could open it up quite a bit. You've got Calvin Tyler at running back. Tons of fantasy options for Utah State. It's almost like you just got to 
make sure you're picking the right one. Over at UConn, tons of questions. I mean, we, you know, stuck, what stood out to us, Robert Burns was was starting uh, running back that on the depth chart. We know that they lost Cam Ross. Uh, probably make somebody like Keelan Marion the top wide receiver play there. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, I'm off of UConn. I'm on Utah State. I almost think everyone that I just named, at least, you know, Cobbs, McGriff, Bonner, if he plays, and Tyler as well, those are probably all must-starts for people. Um, what are you seeing on your end? What are you thinking? And is there, you know, what about a DFS or a player prop perspective right here? Not much from the UConn standpoint. You get 16 and a half implied team total. So two touchdowns at best. Um, Keelan Marion does interest me from, uh, you know, I, I think every standpoint in terms of maybe college fantasy, um, and then and somewhat at a DFS standpoint, because if you look back, offensive coordinator Nick Charlton um, at his previous stops, his wide receiver won the last two years, uh, averaged around 20 fantasy points per game. Um, they run a balanced offense, but it seems like he feeds his wide receiver one, and now that Cam Ross is out, I think Keela Marion is that guy for them. Um, so he's, he's a bit interesting at 4,600 from a DFS perspective. Um, I'm kind of off UConn for the most part outside yeah. of that. Um, Utah State, I think, is one of the most interesting teams, I think, uh, for, for us to watch this weekend. Um, wide receiver room feels up in the air at this point. I know everybody's got their opinions on who, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, or even wide receiver three is. So um, similar to like Western Kentucky, that wide receiver room, how it shakes out is of utmost importance, I think, for us from from a DFS and uh, and college fantasy standpoint. Um, last, I mean, Logan Bonner, I think, I don't know, thanks to, to CU Tiger, Shane, and our, our Discord um, for posting that, that podcast, uh, podcast link. It said, the, the host of the podcast said he's got a source that, that said Bonner might be limited or, or may not even play the full game. I mean, you know, we scour the internet, scour the message boards, look at the, the, the Utah State practice videos uh, that they post on their Twitter, and, and Bonner's tossing the ball around. He's yeah. got a, a brace on his knee, but, um, you know, he's still tossing the ball around to his receivers in pads. So um, just a situation to, to monitor, right? Well, here's here's what I would say. I, I don't see where he would just play part of this game and not all of it. Uh, I would think that if he plays, he plays until they don't need him anymore, and then they take him out. Because let's be honest, there's no sense of holding him out. If, if you're going to hold him out for precautionary reasons, you're holding him out for two games because they travel to Alabama next week. And so if he's not going to play a full game this week, he's sure to hell not going to play a full game against Alabama. Uh, so you you know if if that rumor might be true, you could be looking at two games without Logan Bonner. Let's kind of hope that that's kind of hearsay and and because I think if he starts, you're good to go. I mean, I can't see where they would start him with just the intention to play him a quarter and a half just to get him playing time. The guy's, a, you know, he's been around forever. He doesn't he doesn't need to play um, in this matchup and just play, you know, two quarters. I think if he does, he's there. He's going to play as much as they need him. So He'll play until a blowout. Yeah, exactly. Uh, talk about play until we blow them out. Let's go to the next matchup, Mike, where Duquesne travels down to Florida State. Uh, one of those matchups where I wish this wasn't a week zero and Florida State had this on their week one plus schedule because of the shares that I have in Jordan Travers. 
but from a you know from a fantasy standpoint is there anywhere else to look right now other than Jordan Travis or you know are you kind of you know fading everything else on the FSU roster right now Definitely fading the receivers. I know Jordan Travis made improvements last year, but they really spread the ball around a bunch uh, amongst a bunch of receivers. And they added to that room this year with Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman. So um, don't have any interest in the receivers. Um, running back rooms, interesting, you know, with, with Trey Benson and Treshawn Ward. Uh, Benson, I know, yep. has gotten a lot of hype in, in fall camp, but, you know, I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, but I remember last year with Jay Sean Corbin, like once Jordan Travis entered the, the, the starting lineup full time, I know Jay Sean Corbin's uh, rushing volume went down a few notches. Right. And is, yeah. I think it was averaging like 13 carries a game. So now you got two guys in the, in that Florida state backfield that are capable of, of, of shouldering the load. So combine that with Jordan Travis, I don't see a ton of, uh, fantasy value for the running backs over the course of the season. Of course, if you need a placeholder, then then yeah. maybe you can sub one in. But I think it's Jordan Travis and and everybody else. Yeah, you know, Mike, real quick, um, because I, I look, I'm with you. I don't really have much when it comes to the FSU play, other than I'm just going to kind of be kind of keeping my fingers crossed for Jordan Travers. One thing I forgot to mention, I'm going to back up real quick to 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 Utah State real quick, because yeah. I did have Justin McGriff as one of my prop plays at over 55 and a half. I thought that number was attractive. I, I, I kind of hit the rewind button to go back to that matchup, but that was one for me that kind of stuck out a little bit. I feel like he's one of those guys – say four or five catches we may be able to assume and it only takes one big catch to kind of pop that number so I wanted to kind of back up there as we were kind of closing out the FSU game yeah I would say that I, I agree I'm, I got a lot of uh, Justin McGriff props um, I would just say to that point that it is very key to stay in tune with the discord because <laughs> yeah. um, I jumped on it in the 47 and a half range, I think. So a nice, uh, a, a solid difference there. But um, I think it just speaks to the fact that it is absolutely key to jump on the props as early as possible um, to, to get that best value. And, um, but yeah, I like Justin McGriff's a, a, a deep threat that uh, could, can break one. I got it. I got over on fantasy points and I got over on receptions because you know, again, we don't know exactly. We have Brian Cobb's projected wide receiver one, but we don't know exactly who's going to be that, that that guy for them this year. So, yeah, you know, that's a great point, Mike. I'm glad you said that because it gives me a chance to kind of bring that up in the middle of the show here uh, as we kind of wind down the last couple of matchups. When you come in as an All-American or a Heisman member, you get a link to join the, the CFF site's Discord. And what Mike mentioned is, that's exactly it. We've got team channels built in there, injury channels. You've got DFS dedicated channels. We've got prop bet channels, just gambling, football, gambling props uh, channels in general, roster discussions. If you're still looking for a leagues, they've got league recruitment channels. And like Mike said, on Saturdays, that's the place where you're going to want to be. There is news and uh, nuggets coming in from around the country. A lot of the followers in there are posting things as well. Last year, we had over 700 members in the Discord. We're approaching that number again. So a lot of resources at the CFF site. And you guys, the followers, the subscribers, the members are part of that. And so thank you guys. But for all of you that are not in there, 
man, for college fantasy football, that is a must-have, particularly when you're trying to hit those player props, some of those prop bets. Like you said, Mike, that discussion goes on sometimes Mondays, Tuesdays, and by the time a guy you know sits down and d- digs into some of those props at the end of the week, sometimes you've got you know five, six-yard line movements by the time the end of the week, and you've kind of missed some value, line value there. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, um, you know, I'll be doing some live streams uh, right when the players, uh, player props drop or at least attempt to. So uh, we can help you jump on those lines as soon as they come out. Well, we got four games left. Charlotte at Florida Atlantic. This one for me is a is a fun matchup. I, I'm going to look forward to watching this one just with all of the the kind of the fa- the names that that could be wrapped up to this from fantasy lineups from Chris Reynolds to you know, DeBose and Tucker, the wide receivers over at Charlotte. You've got Nikosi Perry, quarterback FAU. You've got Johnny Ford, who had a good year last year. And interesting enough, Larry McCammon tops the depth chart to open up the year. Uh, LeJounte Wester was a decent fantasy option at one point last year. For those of you guys that don't have Week Zero incorporated into your league, this is going to be a real fun one to watch to see just at least how quick out of the gate some of those guys that you drafted um start out this year from a fantasy standpoint dfs standpoint or props mike anything stand out to you or anything that you want to add on top of what i just kind of mentioned there no i agree this is a a very interesting matchup just from from every standpoint cff dfs even props a lot uh in this game here i'll start with charlotte um you know, we're, we're, I think me and you would agree we're big on Charlotte this year just for, for the amount of returning production that they bring back on the offensive side of the ball. you got experienced quarterback in Chris Reynolds. Um, two talented running backs in Chadrick Bird and Calvin Camp. Um, they really dig into each other's workload. So from, a, you know, from that standpoint, they're not that intriguing. But, um, you know, talented runners in their own right for, for Conference USA standards. Um, but for Charlotte, it's the receiving core. And I think you would agree, you know, Grant Bose is our, our yep. projected wide receiver one, you know, his, his, it's funny how you just notice these advanced stats of like, man, his a dot, his average depth of target is significantly higher than Victor Tucker's um, 2.34 uh, yards per route run. Also substantially higher than Tucker. I think that big playability is why. Um, you know, he kind of inserted himself as the wide receiver one over an experienced option like Tucker. But, you know, um, DeBose and Tucker, very solid options. They got a third option, Eliza Spencer, I think you like as well. Very talented. Um, you know, another big play threat was actually tied with DeBose with six uh, receiving touchdowns. So, I mean, there's not a ton of weaknesses, you know, uh, on the Charlotte offense, a lot of returning experience. So, uh, we'll be interested to see them. Well, um, the reason why we like Charlotte, we talked about this in the preseason, is because we don't think their defense is going to be that great either, right? And so you've got a really seasoned offense with potential to be in some 30-30 games. That's what we really like about Charlotte. And, you know, when I look at this game from uh, a couple of angles other than fantasy, you know, when I look at it from DFS and I look at it from a prop standpoint, you know, we talked about it at the onset. There there could be a lot of money, you know, on Austin Reed. There could be a lot on Jordan Travis as well. For me, the intriguing option might be a quarterback like Nikosi Perry in this matchup because of what we just talked about and the potential of where this game could go. Perry's got dual threat ability. 
I think last I looked on DraftKings, he was at 7,100. And one of the player props that I did like was his over nine and a half yards rushing because I really don't feel like he's going to be under pressure if he's throwing the ball. So I don't think there's a lot of risk in losing yardage as a passer. And I, I kind of liked his nine and a half over on the nine and a half rushing on the prize picks as well for Nikosi Perry. Yeah, I agree with that. And and we we talked about it in the in the guide how uh, new offensive coordinate coordinator Brent Deerman does like to get his uh, his quarterbacks on the move a little bit more than the previous uh, regime. So um, yeah, I do like that that play a lot. And there there was a lot. And honestly, with the uh, with the player prop uh, on the FAU side, you know, you get Johnny, Johnny Ford um, seventy seven and a half. I think was his rushing prop. You know, listed second on the depth chart. Do we know why? I mean, he's, he's, we would agree he's the best running back on the, on the roster, but you know, is that kind of due to his spring suspension because of academics, you know, maybe he's just not the starter for the first play and then he comes out um, on the second play and and runs and is the guy for the rest of the game. But, you know, I mean, that's another one that I kind of look for when I'm looking at my, you know, taking a look at the props initially, it's like, okay, here we got a backup. Um, you know, quote unquote backup uh, listed at 77 and a half. You know, we've seen indications that it's going to be a committee approach with Larry McCammon and uh, Marvin Scott Jr. Um, so that's one that you just kind of look at like, oh, man, if this guy's not the starter. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the under and our projections say, uh, state as much as well. But you know, that's interesting because that's something that you and I talk about, and I'm big on this. I'm not huge on just following the depth chart because of the it's the depth chart because of the reasons that you stated, right? Sometimes you'll get a guy, maybe a running back that's been there four or five years, shown, shown exceptional leadership. He'll open up the season on that week zero, week one depth chart as running back one, but really he probably gets the first carry and may only get five or six, and then all of a sudden he's overtaken. We, I mean, we may have, we may get to that point quite a bit in some of the games we're going to be discussing just over the first, you know, two weeks here. But uh, I don't like to put a lot of stock in a depth chart. However, the depth chart can be our friend when it comes to prop bets in week zero because in week one, because there's a lot that's not known. And if you kind of go in with that frame of mind, you may be able to find some real value uh, in some of the lines that you're going to get. Bulldog story. Sorry. It's all good. Uh, so, all right. So I know everyone's probably anxious to get to this one, Mike. Let's go to F- F- Florida A&M at North Carolina, right? Where, you know, you had a quarterback battle, uh, spring, summer. Drake May gets the call over Jacoby Criswell. Probably get, you know, this is a matchup where I could see both guys playing. You know, I was, I went on record in the preseason, I think even in the guide myself or wherever, I know some shows where I just, you know, give me Josh Downs. And for me, the UNC offense was a little too fluid for my liking. So it was sort of a uh, pass for me. Curious to see how that North Carolina backfield shakes out because that that has potential. And, uh, you know, let's see what happens behind downs at the wide receiver spot. Um, you know, do we see somebody like Nesbitt have a big year who I know you're high on this year? Uh, you've got the youngster green there as well. So there are some playmakers on offense, but UNC, you know, we're going into this weekend. And uh, for me, I feel it's a little, I hate to use the word risky because you've got guys like Amari and Hampton, right? And, and uh, Petaway that are 3K at running back. So it's hard to say that it's risky with those guys when they're so cheap. But from a from a fantasy football standpoint, 
it is a little risky right now if you have a choice of using them for week zero or week one between Florida A&M and Appalachian State in week one, even though Appalachian State is going to be a much you know, difficult opponent, much more difficult opponent than Florida A&M. If we at least have clarity in the depth chart, then that kind of helps ease a little bit of the pain and heartache that you might get by trying to take a stab on one of these guys in week zero. Yeah, yeah, this is why I'm very glad that North Carolina is a week zero team because, we're, I, I, you know, you're facing Florida A&M, so you're not going to get all the clarity that, that, that we need, but I feel like we're going to get some, right? Drake Mays, quarterback, I thought it was going to be Criswell, or, you know, but I, I still believe that we're going to see both. Mac Brown essentially said that, and, you know, if Drake May doesn't, get the offense moving against Florida A&M and for, you know, two straight series, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get the hook already uh, with Criswell because Mac Brown said it was that close. Um, but it is Florida A&M and we could see Drake may light it up, but either way, I feel like we're going to get some clarity uh, at the quarterback position in, in this week. Um, same with the running back. Um, I think we're, we're, I mean, we're absolutely going to see all three. DJ Jones is a complete fade for me at 6,400 on, on, on DraftKings. And who's number um, one on the North Carolina depth chart? DJ Jones. Yeah. That's why we have the DFS articles to give you clarity as opposed to the depth charts alone. So um, we, we note that in, in our DFS article that that's, that'll come out in a few hours, but you know, you, listen to Mac Brown's press conferences or, or just even the coaching quotes, not even just Mac Brown. And, and it's the freshmen just stand out. They get mentioned almost immediately, even when British Brooks was around. So, um, you know, I'm on Omari and Hampton this week. I'm on, I, I wouldn't, I'd say play George Petaway too at 3k. They're both going to get substantial run this week. Um, and again, you're not going to have to to pay much of a, a price there. And then, you know, we, this is more for, well, I guess it's CFF and DFS, but, you know, you mentioned Josh Downs, you, you know, kind of fading the rest of the North Carolina um, roster, but this is, a, I think, a big uh, game for, for, from a CFF standpoint, especially with, with guys like Andre Green Jr. And, and a guy that I've heavily invested in this price and that's which I, I know I have double digits shares of him in our CFF leagues. He's been priced to get some comparisons to Eric Ebron, just the type of athletes that he is. Um, he's going to be one of their top um, options in the red zone when we, when the Tar Heels get there, um, you know, he's been priced. He's going to flex out to slot receiver. He might even flex outside. So they're going to use him in a bunch of ways. So he's not your conventional tight end. Um, and then the, then the star freshman, Andre Green Jr., you know, yeah. they need somebody besides Josh Downs. And, and, you know, he's now with the Antoine Green injury. He's now our projected wide receiver two there. Um, so, again, he's been priced two on DK. So a lot of intriguing um, storylines for North Carolina in this game at multiple positions. Let's go over to North Texas uh, and UTEP, Mike, second to last game on the slate. This one is, uh, this is like a uh, what seven, eight o'clock kickoff here. Um, Austin on, you know, Austin on, he keeping that starting job. Grant Gannell came in, he held him off. If this season plays out anything like last year, that may not mean much. It may just be based on performance. North Texas put a lot of stock in what carried them through was that running game 
last year, by all accounts, it seems like Attaway is back and Attaway is healthy, which is good news for the North Texas offense. UTEP, um, you know, remember we had, um, uh, you know, we've looked at new receivers there this year. Uh, we had the transfer cowing go over to Arizona. So, you know, maybe, you know, I know I'm high on and, and you know, we were a little high on Tyron Smith and that UTEP offense as long as he lands in that similar role uh, this year. Um, from a fantasy perspective, you know, and and the double back system at UTEP, right? I mean, they got one guy listed at the top, one guy listed as RB2. But, man, last year these guys split carries uh, through, you know, the entire season, Mike. What, what's your what's your take on this matchup, UTEP and North Texas? Anything that you're seeing jumps out at you? Yeah, I'm interested. So, uh, <laughs> spoiler, I, I for my top play on DFS for North Texas, I put NA because I'm not interested – uh, in anybody because you know we have a, a projected depth chart but we have zero clarity at running back we have zero clarity at wide receiver wide receiver is going to be an absolute crapshoot I think and I, I, another team like UNC that I'm glad that we have on the week zero state because maybe we get some clarity there I do not think Roger Burns is going to be a target hog like he was a year ago because they didn't have anybody else besides Roger Burns right so you get Jair Shorter back you get Tommy Bush back you get the two transfers and Jay Macklin and Latrell did I write that right Latrell Novell <laughs> is that his name uh Nebraska transfer but um, so you got five to six guys that are getting involved in, in wide receivers. So I want to see how that shakes out. I'm not playing them in DFS. Um, running backs, I'm okay with playing both Oscar Attaway and um, Akeka Ragsdale. Um, it's, it should be, again, one of the best running games in the, con- uh, uh, in the conference. You know, you get four starters back along the offensive line. We spoke about how good that offensive line was yeah. last year. I think North Texas had the fifth most fantasy points scored from the running backs in the entire country last year. So I'm, I, I like Adway and Ragsdale. Funnily enough, on DK, Isaiah Johnson is, is projected as the uh, – or not projected. He's the highest salaried running back and he's third string at best so that's a guy to fade but um you know i'm i'm kind of off the north texas situation uh for this week and then just flipping over quick to the utah or the utep side it's the receivers for me um split backfield no interest in gavin hardison um we think tyron smith is going to be the wide receiver one I, i would i would be willing to put money on that but of course, another guy that I have no idea how to say his name, Kelly, I'm going to say just Kelly A. He was a Juco transfer. Um, he's getting some pub uh, as a possible compliment to Tyron Smith. Uh, Rant, he reportedly runs a 4-4-40 yard dash. He had, um, and he's going to step into that Justin Garrett role from last year, right? Yeah. 50 receptions for Garrett, 89 targets. Um, that could be a guy at 4,100 on DraftKings that that can help your lineup. Um, but it's really receivers are bust for me with with Utah. Yep. Let's go to the final matchup, Mike. Uh, Vanderbilt SEC matchup against Mountain West team Hawaii. Right, Vanderbilt going out west. Who doesn't like to go down to the island, particularly in a week zero matchup? Here we go, Vanderbilt. Uh, one of the times we may feature them on a show this year because there's so few games. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, I have to be honest with you, even though Vanderbilt is playing Hawaii, they, 
you know, from even Ray Davis at running back, not, not much interest for me. There might be some, uh, you know, could there be one or two players from this game in one of my roster builds? Yeah, sure. You know, but another, you mentioned like, like, Hey man, North Carolina, glad this is a week zero team, North Texas, glad this is a week zero team. I think we could probably say something similar about Hawaii with this, you know, we want a little clarity at quarterback. Uh, we know Parson at running back. We know that, you know, the top receivers, we, we, we probably have those two pegged with Bowens and, and Pinocchio, right. But there's still, you know, questions about how's this hybrid offense going to look, how's it going to work with Shager at quarterback. If he opens up as a starter um, Parsons for me, Bowens from a fantasy standpoint are, are probably starters this week and everybody else is is sort of a wait and see for right, me right now but but what's your take on this game my whole weekend mood is dependent on zion bowen's hitting from a dfs perspective and from from mostly a prop perspective because his numbers and i get it because these these sites don't do the research that, that, that we do, but um, you know, his props just came in way too low. Three receptions. He was in the forties, I think 49 and a half for his, um, for his receiving yards, 47 and a half. One of those two, I get them mixed up now. He was, at, he was around that number on both DraftKings and, and prize picks. And, and our numbers say that he'll skyrocket over that. I think we had five, five receptions for 77 yards as his projected, um, projected totals for this week. So, you know, I, I, Bowens, I, I really need to hit this week. Want to see, we have him projected as wide receiver one, want him to solidify himself in that role if he can. Um, you know, Dedrick Parson, probably the best offensive player on Hawaii. Um, so, uh, you know, not a ton to discuss there. Uh, quarterback is interesting though, too, because, you know, they say it's still a, a competition there. Shager's been the projected starter since the spring. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he succeeds or not, because if he succeeds, I think we have our guy for, for the entirety of the season. And, and this is a, an offense that obviously we're going to have interest in because it's 42 passing attempts per game on average. Right. So this is a high volume passing yeah. attack. So um, you know, definitely some interest in Hawaii from, from all perspectives. Um, Vandy. I, yeah. I mean, this is going to be the one game <laughs> probably, or one of a few games that we have real interest in Vandy. I think Mike Wright's a decent option. He's a dual threat quarterback. You know, I think he rushed for like 30 plus yards in four or five games last year. Um, Ray Davis at running back. They have a deep running back room, so they could split carries there. Uh, and then wide receivers should be interesting too, because they got uh, Will Shepard and then the the freshman Jaden McCollum, who we both like. So um, yeah. some interesting pieces, and I think they'll have a, a pretty good week from a fantasy standpoint. But this is probably the only time, like you said, that we're going to discuss. Is there is there a showdown on this game uh, listed? Because to me, that's what the, the the fun in this one might be playing in one of those showdowns uh, for for this matchup because there are so many options um, available to us. I'm I'm kind of curious because a couple that stood out to me is you and I talked a little bit about how 
Jaden McGowan, the freshman, would kind of came in and, you know, one of the fastest players on the team, depth chart opened. He's sitting there at the wide receiver three spot. And I think he opened up on DraftKings at 3K, right? So that's a little cheap option. And I believe we had had James Phillips listed as a running back. Is I, And I didn't check this out, Mike, but he's starting at wide receiver now. He's listed as one of the t- uh, th- wide receiver three after Bowens and Pinoke. Um, is he listed at running back on there or is he listed as a receiver in there? Yeah, he's, he's, list, he's listed as a receiver. I just wrote this up, I and I said it in the article. Don't quote me on this, but I I think that's a slot back, not uh, like more probably uh, utility, kind okay. of like Calvin Turner. But I'm not right. expecting Calvin Turner like production, obviously. But I think it's it's a slot back. Um, but yeah, I'm I, it's a little fuzzy there with with Phillips. Well, that's what remember that you're talking about when Shoemaker came over, it was kind of like the hybrid. They were trying to figure out how to kind of incorporate these offenses. And so I'm kind of curious to see what Hawaii looks like more than anything else. It was just something that jumped out at me because Phillips is 3,900. And I was just, you know, that that's one of those like McGowan, one of those cheap options where I could see maybe somebody playing him in a showdown. Or Jordan Murphy. That's your boy. Who's that? Uh, tight end, Jordan Murphy. I, I forgot to even mention him. That's right. Who I think could be a red zone target who, yeah, you, you're right. I do have him in a, in a couple of best ball leagues as well. So they do have a showdown, on. just FYI. There is What's a that? showdown on that game. There is. Yeah. Awesome. That, that, that'll be fun. It gives me something to stay up late and, 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 and have some fun with. But Mike, that's going to do it, man. Look, you mentioned the discord, a lot of stuff going on. This is this is probably one of the busier weeks for both you and I from a standpoint of trying to catch all of the late season preseason news that comes out and trying to get all of the week one content uploaded. We've done something for the first two. We'll do something for the first two weeks that we hope not to spoil you guys by, but just to kind of give you a heads up. We did have the projections up early this week and they will for the most part probably be up no later than Tuesday next week that will be more of a late Wednesday early Thursday occurrence once when the season gets going and we've got a lot to really process and digest but Mike that's going to do it for week zero show probably went a little longer than what we anticipated but uh, some good stuff there really enjoy talking week zero and it's it's finally fun to get back into talking some football on a weekly basis and we can try to see you know, you know, to get an idea of, of what plays out uh, when we have a chance to kind of digest all of the, the preseason content and, and see what, you know, transpires and see how our picks do. Yeah. We've been doing, I mean, we've been doing the best balls, the CFM best balls since February, late February. Um, So we've, we've been deep into this for a while now and it's always exciting to see how our selections and our predictions play out and, um yeah it's 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 here but that's gonna do it man but that's what makes the site so great for all of you guys that are members have already come in and subscribed thank you the cff site's the most comprehensive college fantasy football resource that you're gonna have from preseason to in season to covering the dfs to covering the props bets we are your one-stop shop for college fantasy football thank you guys for making the cff site what it is today continue to get bigger and better each and every year. And this is another season ready to go. So Mike, it's kickoff season. That's going to do it for week zero for the week zero show. So for my partner, Mike Bainbridge, my name's Joe DeSalvo. That's going to do it week zero. Let's kick it off. We'll see you guys next week.